The youth section's extra rowdy today. Well, hey, we're, wel we're welcoming Wesley Fagan back. He's been, for those that don't know, maybe you're a guest or maybe you're like, what is going on? Um, he's been gone for three months. He's been out, um, he's been in Tennessee, but he's also been in Israel and Jordan. And so he's going to give, he's going to talk, he's going to preach this morning, but also share a little bit about his trip, and we're just super grateful for him. Um, for those that also don't know, if you haven't been here for a while, he is the youth pastor here right. at Convergence. We love him. We are grateful for what the Lord is doing in the youth and the younger generation. It's amazing. That's the reason why you hear all of that over there. It needs to be contagious, right? All right, so let's just bless him. Wesley, just release what you got. Yes. Praise the Lord. It's really good to be back. Um, it feels like family because it is family, so that's good. Um, I wanted to say before I start, Andrew kind of just mentioned that I was gone. I'm going to share some about that. But I wanted to just say thank you to everyone who supported me as I went, um, whether that's through prayer. I know a lot of you wrote encouraging notes and words for me, which really blessed my heart. Um, and even financially, like y'all sewed into my trip and made it possible for me to go. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Like, that's a really big deal. And what I'm sharing today is actually fruit of seeds that you've planted. And so this is you reaping from what you've planted. Does that make sense? So, um, yeah, I want to just kind of do a quick, I want this to be like really like kind of family oriented. So it'll be really fun. I'm going to have a good time. So y'all are welcome to have a good time as well. Um, I want to just do a quick like overview because some of you know where I went, some of you don't know. So I did a training with a ministry called Caleb Global, and their heart is to train people in understanding God's heart for Israel, the Middle East, and the nations, and to actually see revival happen and be ignited through Israel, the Middle East, and through the nations. And so they are based in Tennessee. So I was in Tennessee, and we did like a lecture phase for about two months where we learned about all of those things, went super in-depth into Genesis. Praise the Lord. For, for those of y'all who know me, we started half of our sessions in Genesis, and I was like, I am in the right place. Um, we really just talked about the Lord's heart, even for creation and for Israel and all those things. We studied Judaism we studied Islam, we studied the Middle East geographically, historically, politically, all those things, um, which was amazing. And so I have come back and I feel like I have much more of a grasp on that area. And again, the reason why, I may get to this later, but this is just a little sneak peek into it. It's because the reason why we studied, studied the Middle East is because there are many scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, that that talk about Israel being a key to seeing the nations of the earth saved. Um, even going all the way back to Genesis, God's first pro promise to Abraham about the nations of the earth being blessed through his family. And even it's a right order. When you look at the New Testament, you see Paul would always go to the Jew first, then the Gentile, right? Salvation is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And so... There's actually a, there's a key in Israel that equates to the nations. And so we studied that. 
We had amazing times. We did lots of teaching while we were in Tennessee. We went to, we did a weekly prayer house set. We would do local outreaches while we were in Tennessee. We would do like big family meals together. It was just an amazing time. And then everyone went to Israel for two weeks and we connected with a lot of local ministries and contacts and we got a really like under the hood view of what the Lord is doing in Israel, which is really fun. Um, I've been there before, but this was like, talking and partnering with people who are actually there living there. And so you're hearing what's happening beyond just testimonies that happened while we were there, which is really cool. Um, And then we split up into two teams. One team went to Egypt and the team I was with went to Jordan and we were in Jordan for two weeks. And then we came back and had some debrief time in Tennessee. And now I'm here. (laughs) Um. And so I know I literally just gave a quick overview, but I felt it was important to do this. And so I want to actually do this now. I want to have a quick time of Q&A. So if anybody has questions, because probably the answer to your questions will probably be stories. And so I thought rather than me just, and I will share some stories and things in my heart in a little bit. But I actually wanted to start out with Q&A and see if y'all had any questions for me because it's family. So... Yes. Yes. Actually, that's really funny because for our, like, we, his question was, so the, he said that he's heard that the king of Jordan's mother is a Christian and that the king of Jordan is now like advocating for Christians in the government and things like that. Um, I actually studied when we on our team kind of broke up into different things and my study was the government of Jordan. So it's actually, that's a really funny question. Um, yes, it's true that the king of Jordan's mother is a Christian and there are rumors that he might be a believer because he's definitely advocating for believers. He isn't... Maybe because of the climate and keeping peace, he's not like spearheading that, but he's definitely, he is not um, hindering it either, I guess you could say. And he's actually created two seats in the parliament specifically for Christians. So that's really amazing. Um, Jordan is one of the most politically stable and economically stable countries, not the most, but one of the most in the Middle East. And they are also one of the two countries in the Middle East that have a peace treaty with Israel, which is interesting. Any other questions? Spiritual state of Israel. That is a big question. I would say read Romans 11. That's what I would say. Romans 11, it talks about that, that the Jews... That basically, Jesus came to the Jews, this is Romans 9 through 11, but basically it says that they've experienced a partial blinding and hardening, and actually that there were branches, and this is really offensive to us, so get your, get your toes ready to be stepped on. There were branches of the Jews that were broken off from their own tree so that you could be grafted in. But you're grafted in, do y'all know why? Why are we grafted in? Yes, but for what sake? What's the end? Yes. 
we are grafted in back into their own olive tree, as it says in Romans 11, to provoke them for jealousy for their own Messiah. So the state of Israel right now, you could say there's a lot of blindness, but there's also the Lord is definitely doing things. And I'll share a little bit about that also, just stories of what the Lord is doing underground. People, there's a lot of dead religion in Israel, lots of really dead religion, and people are really tired of it. And so some people are leaving that and going way to the things of the world, and some people are leaving that and finding Jesus. And so, yeah. Hold on, hold Ooh, wait, on. let's see. If you have a question, we're going to use we'll, the mic just for our live stream. Okay, yeah, sorry. Tim? And I'm going to run. So, Wesley, uh, on, with your, opi- your opinion, uh, what My would opinion. you say? Yes, this is your opinion question. That's good. What would you say the, is the Lord's heart? What is the number one shift the Lord would have for the church in the West as we look at and engage and observe Israel? That's a good question. That's a great question. Um, I could talk about this for an hour. I'll talk about it for two minutes. Um, Here's what I'll say. Is that as Christians, we are commanded to bless Israel, right? I think it gets really muddy in what that looks like. Right? Like if you say, how do I bless Israel? Probably the first thing that comes to mind might be giving financially or through prayer, which are both great things. But I think it's actually more of, it's a heart posture. It's actually understanding Israel. It's real, I would really encourage everyone here to read Romans 9 through 11, like five times through. Because it's actually understanding the Lord's heart for them that produces a love for them. And then your response will be what the spirit leads. But if you're just doing something because you're like, I, need to, I don't understand it, but I need to bless Israel because then I'll be blessed somehow, that's not the right response. And so I would say that as a huge key. And number two, um, I could talk about this for a long time, but I'm going to do this super short, is that if you, something we learned and they were teaching us at Caleb Global is that if you have a soulish love, for Israel. If you love Israel because you've you know what the Jewish people have been through and it's caused a like it's caused a compassion and empathy, which is like good because it's true. But if it's not empowered by the love that the Lord has for them, it will actually cause you to take on their offense. And their offense is self-preservation, and their offense is actually selfishness. So think about this. And I'm this is If you feel like I'm stepping on your toes right now, it might be because you're standing in the wrong place. So so if your love for Israel causes you to be more self-preserving for the end times, you don't have God's heart for Israel. Because since the beginning, God's heart for Israel, the very first promise to Abraham was Abraham, through you and your family, what? So Israel has always been unto all nations. And so if your love for Israel causes you to be self-preservatory, you've actually, you're loving them in the natural and taking on their offense. But if you get God's heart for Israel, it causes you to understand his love for them and how it's unto the nations. Does that make sense? 
So the opposite of an end times theology that I'm going to go hide out with my stored up food, the opposite of that is the nations of the earth need to be saved and know Jesus. And so if you're in, if you're in times theology or even now, if your love for Israel causes you to be self-preservatory and more self-centered, it's not God's heart for Israel. That's a word. Do y'all get that? Does that make sense? Okay. And I mean that. And we can talk about that. But I'm just saying that really bluntly because I have two minutes. No. Um, I could teach on that. If you're offended at that, that's okay. Come talk to me and we can talk through it. Next question. Uh, okay. Yeah. You had your hand up before. I can give you the mic. Um, I think it's fair to say we've seen a lot of revival in the hearts of, like, you know, really, especially, like, youth and understanding, like, the, the importance of the crucifixion um, and the sacrifice for us. Has there been anything, like, from what you saw in Israel of a similar, like, revival and, like, growing understanding of the gravity of that? Um, yes. I mean, any revival is centered around what Jesus did in the cross, right? So, like, the Lord is definitely... I'll speak into that in a minute because I'm going to share some stories that are kind of tied to that. Walt, did you have a question? <laughs> Andrew, okay, Andrew's coming. <laughs> We're both moving around. We're getting in our steps today. So glad to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be here. What is the strongest thing you sensed prophetically while you were there? I would say what's crazy about being in the Middle East in general and specifically in Israel is you, you, like, everyone says, right, when you go to Israel, like, the scriptures come alive, right? Like, how many people have heard that, like, 500 times from people, which is really true, but I felt something really specifically, like, prophetically was being in Israel feels like you're in the middle of a story. Because there's things that have been promised that have happened, and there's things that are yet to come. And so it's like you're standing there, and whether, no matter where you are, you can be at Mount Carmel, you can be in, even you know, at the Dead Sea, you can be on the Mount of Olives, and you're looking, and you're like, okay, this is where this, this, and this happened, and this is where this, this, and this will happen. And so you're standing there, and you're like, I'm literally in the middle of this right now. Like, it's actually unfolding before my eyes, and there are things that are happening right now that are, like, here's, what, here's another really fun fact. This is kind of sidebar, but kind of not, is... There are prophecies in the prophets like Isaiah and Zechariah that have happened recently for the first time ever. Did y'all know that? There are a lot. Of, this is just a really fun one that we dove into was like there are scriptures in Isaiah that talk about the Jews returning, returning to the land from the north, south, east and west, flying in the clouds on a thing like an eagle. Like, you're picturing Isaiah back then trying to figure out, he sees a plane, and he's like, how do I describe this? And there's, there's actually several things like that, and I, I don't remember them all, but if you talk to me, I can tell you some more of them. Um, even things about boats and ships and places that are specific where it mentions a land that's an ancient land that says that people are returning from that land, and it's like within the last few years, the first time ever, there's movements from that land back to Israel. And so there are things, we, we sometimes think like the Old Testament was finished at the cross. The Old Covenant was finished at the cross, but there are promises in the Old Testament that still remain. 
right? Even Paul says in Timothy that the word of God is what? Yeah, yes, living and active, but that's true. Sorry, that was a bad setup. He says that it's useful, and that like he, all of it applies to us. And when he said that, they didn't have the New Testament canonized. And so, anyways, yes, I'll take one more question that I want to share really quick. <laughs> okay, so uh, a lot of times when we're praying for them, my heart has been seeing the restoration of the two brothers. Yes. Did you get to see any examples of those families coming together in that restoration process? Yes, and that's exactly what I'm going to talk about right now. Boom. So, <laughs> segue. You hear God, Josh. We all do because the verse that Kim put on the children's message papers is exactly the verse that I want to talk about, and I did not tell her that. So, that's the Lord. Uh, yeah, we hear God. I'm going to do a big picture and then answer that question and answer this question. And so it'll be really good. Um, as y'all know, like from the time of Abraham, there's been contention between Isaac and Ishmael. Right? We know the story about Abraham and Hagar and Isaac and Ishmael and, and the, the brothers, the contention, the fighting. And the, I'm actually going to back up further just for fun. Okay, I have to start in Genesis. That was already Genesis, but we're starting, we're starting pre-creation. God is family. Okay, he could have chosen to reveal himself to us as God the pastor, God the prophet, and God the evangelist. That would almost make more sense to us, right? Because when we think of God, we think of ministry. But he didn't want us to think ministry when we think of him. He wanted us to think family. So he revealed himself to us as God the Father, God the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. And so when he created, he creates what he is, right? Like he creates out of what he is. So he creates good things because he's good. And so he creates Adam and he creates Eve and he creates family. And his plan to reveal himself was family. Now we know what happened in the garden. The fall happened. And so years later, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm paraphrasing. He's saying, I'm going to redeem humanity back to myself. And through you and your family, offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He says that so many times. It's like five or six times in Genesis alone that God promises Abraham the same thing because he wants him to get it. Through you and your family, the nations of the earth will be blessed. What is that blessing? It's Jesus, yes. Anything else? I mean, that's not like, it's the right answer, but okay. <laughs> uh, any other right answers? Yes, relationship, restoration. It's actually that the nations of the earth would know God. Can we simplify it into that? Like, he's saying, Abraham, through, basically, here's my synopsis of this, and this is, it's all through Genesis, is I'm going to reveal myself to you, Abraham, and to your family, 
and you're going to reveal me to the world. It's a priestly people. It's what Andrew talked about last week. A priest is someone that connects God to man and man to God. So Israel's job from the very beginning, like step one, was actually connect. I'm going to reveal myself to you, and then you're going to reveal me to the nations. This is how when you get God's heart for Israel, you get a heart for the nations and for missions. But from even back then, Israel, without trusting the Lord, they fought battles for their own self and they tried to self-preserve. And so even from back then, when they're walking in the flesh, it's self-preservation. It's them creating a golden calf saying, let us go into the land the Lord has promised us for we don't know what happened about Moses. It's we're going we're gonna to clinch on in our flesh to what God has promised and not trust him. And so in a similar way, like I said, if we're walking in our flesh and we're loving Israel, we'll be in the same boat. And there's a lot of people that do that. And it's not God's heart. Because God's heart for Israel is actually that Israel would be a priestly people that connect, that connect people, the world, you, me, to God. Of course, that happened through Jesus. Like that's, you could say that, like, yes, like that is the pinnacle maybe of the nations of the earth being blessed through Abraham and his family. But, again, Abraham took it in his own hands and Ishmael was born. And so now you have this, now you have this contention that starts between two brothers. One is fulfilling the promise of the Lord through the Spirit and one is trying to do it in their flesh. And what you see right now, I'm jumping forward a lot, what you see now is you see a lot of Arabs, and you see a lot of Jews at contention, right? Like, y'all know, but when you think of the Middle East, you probably think war, terrorism, conflict, desert, maybe baklava if you've had it, because it's super amazing, praise the Lord. Hopefully you think baklava when you have it. Um, we never had that. No, they were literally, there's a traditional Jordanian dish that everyone's like, you have to try it. And we went to like the restaurant everyone recommended and they were like, we are out. Literally, we waited till our last night because we were like, we're gonna have this before. It's gonna be a special thing and they were out. Yeah, it was so bad. It was a sad story. Yeah, I have to go back. And so this conflict has, this conflict has been happening. And I will tell you that it's true that there is definitely conflict in the Middle East. We were in Israel and we were in Jordan Israel's primarily Jewish, Jordan is primarily Muslim. And we experience conflict, right? There's definitely terrorism, there's definitely contention, there's definitely, you know, political unrest and all these things. But I will tell you that God is moving. He's moving behind the scenes and he's moving in the front of the scenes. As I said in staff meeting for the first time, that was really funny. I was like, he's not just moving behind the scenes, he's moving in the front of the scenes. I am more convinced now than ever before in my entire life that the gospel is the most powerful message on the face of the earth. <laughs> I mean that. There are, there are generations of people that have been at conflict generations of people that have been at conflict 
that are literally taught to kill each other if they see each other. Legitimately. That's not an exaggeration. From little kids, little kid shows where they're literally training kids to kill Jewish people if they see them. And the Lord is supernaturally revealing himself to them. And there are, there are, I've met several of them. I'm trying to look at Josh. I've met several of them. Palestinian ex-Muslim believers that got saved and the Lord broke their heart for the Jewish people. And there are Jews that are coming to faith and the Lord's breaking their heart for the, Muslim, for the Arabs and the Muslims. And there are, there are churches, there are prayer houses, and there are ministries that are intentionally Jew and Arab together to be the one new man. And it's one of the most, one of the most powerful things. Because it, there's nothing like having someone who's been your enemy for hundreds and thousands of years, who's tried to kill you, standing in front of your face and saying they love you because of Yeshua. Tell me a better representation of the gospel. Literally. Only, only through the gospel. Only by the blood of Christ. Only because of the cross. And so, Jesse, to your question, yes. They're actually, I connected with this ministry, and they're doing youth camps that are together Jewish and Arab. And their whole thing is the one new man. And so, gosh, there's so much. I want to read, <laughs> I want to read Ephesians 2. Um, we'll just start in 12. And I want, this is written to Gentiles. So this is written to us. And Paul is saying, he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You used to be separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. That's pretty destitute. He's saying, do you remember when you were far off from God and there's nothing, you, you were just, you were far. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Do you want to know this, the peace plan for the Middle East? Blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Who's he talking about? What are the two? Jews and Gentiles. One new man. Oh, man, I lost my place. Oh, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, that's us Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, which is the Jews. And through him, we both have access in one spirit 
to the Father. I have a ton of stories of literally exactly this. Talking with Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus, and we actually had a lady that was grew up Palestinian Muslim in Jordan on our team, and she was talking to this Jewish guy and saying, I love you because of the cross. And he did not know what to do. He's talked with a lot of Christians before, probably that tried to convert him, but she's standing in front of him and she's saying, she asked him, she said, What's, what do you think is the plan? How, how can we have peace in the Middle East? And he said, you can't. And she said, you're right, you can't unless you have peace here. She said, I have peace here. And so I can be at peace with you. And there's, there's stories of, like I said, prayer houses. And there's this, we watched this documentary as a part of our training. And it's about, it follows the prayer house movement in the Middle East. And, and there's this, it's either brother, sister, or couple, I can't remember. You can watch it. I'll tell you, it's called 50 Hours. 50 Hours. It's amazing. It's 50 hours. They do 50 hours of un, like nonstop prayer and worship at several locations at once all throughout the Middle East. And there's this, I think it's a couple. And she's in a prayer set and asks the Lord, Lord, show me your heart. And the Lord says, my heart is for Israel. And she's, she's from Jordan. She's Palestinian. And she said, I hate Israel. And the Lord said, I love them. And the Lord broke her heart for Israel. And now her and either her brother or her husband, I don't know. That's kind of awkward. But I don't know if they're, I don't know if their siblings are married. But either way. They lead sets together praying for Israel. And there are, there are Jewish people that are getting saved. They're meeting Yeshua. And, and they're literally dreaming about how to incorporate in Muslims and how to love them and show them the love of Christ. Only Jesus. And I want to tell you, just as we can only be unified with Christ through his death, right? If you've been crucified with him and are buried with him, you'll be resurrected into a life like his. The same way we can only, we only have union through death. Death and burial produces new life through the spirit. Our union with Christ is through dying with him. In the Middle East, the only way for peace and union is through the death of Jesus. Because it's the only way to have one new man. There's no other plan. There's no other way. And, and you carry that message. And it doesn't, it's, you can say, maybe I'll never go to the Middle East. That doesn't matter. It's not about the Middle East. It's actually about the Lord's heart for destroying every single power and principality that raises itself above above the name of Christ. It's about seeing every single wall and division broken down. It's about seeing every single hostility and conflict overcome by a Jewish man 2,000 years ago who took it on and put it to an open shame. Y'all know, I literally during worship today, the Lord brought up Colossians 2.14 where it says that he's abolished the law having nailed it to the cross. And it says, the, the, what is it? The powers and authorities were put to an open shame. 
And I was sitting there and I thought, Lord, I thought on the cross you were put to an open shame, but your perspective is that the powers and principalities were put to an open shame. And so my charge to us, actually, let's just take communion together. If you can get your communion elements. And if we could stand. In your hands, you're holding the elements that represent the most powerful thing this planet has ever known and will ever know. Let that sink in. You know the message. You know the message, and it's within your heart. The most powerful message the world has ever known and will ever know. Nothing else has worked. <laughs> Nothing else has worked. There's no other religion. There's no other, there's no other treaty. There's no other government. There's no other anything that actually brings peace. And you're holding in your hands the elements that represent the broken body and the blood poured out that will unify no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is or where you came from, we are holding in our hands the proof that there was a man 2,000 years ago who broke his body and sacrificed his life, that we could walk in newness of life as one. And what that means is that we get to live out that new life every single day. And you at your job in Fort Worth, Texas, you get to live out a life unified with Christ and break down every wall and division and hostility between you and your coworkers and you and your family and you and your friends. It's this. And it's only this. And so Jesus, what can we say but thank you? Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. Lord, you broke your body that we could be one with you. Lord, as long as your body is broken, we fit right in between it. And Lord, you did not recover. <laughs> when you rose from the grave, Lord, the holes in your hands did not close back up. Lord, the hole in your side did not close back up. Lord, because your body can never be unbroken. And so, Lord, we stand on the truth of your broken body. And, Lord, we take this, and we thank you for the transformation that you've allowed in our lives, that this message has brought. And, Lord, we take of your body in thanks and in reverence, and we take and we eat. And Lord, we thank you for your blood poured out. Lord, that your life is in the blood. And that if your life is in the blood and you give your blood to us, that means the life that we now live in Christ is unified. That if we're all drinking of one cup, then we're all in one bloodline. And Lord, I pray over each one of us, Lord, that you would allow for us to live from the place of your bloodline and your identity, no matter our history, no matter our background, 
no matter what we think our future is, but Lord, that we as your church and your bride would be unified with one heart and one mind, with one head that is Christ. So Lord, we take of your blood as one family and we take and we drink. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your transformation. And my charge to you, each one of you, is to live a life transformed. As we were in the Middle East, you know, there's temptations to debate theology. There's temptations to debate history and text on text. But the Lord gave me this super powerful encounter, which I won't go into. And basically what he did is he gave me permission to live transformed. And we went to the Middle East and we lived transformed and people noticed And people came and talked to us, and we talked with people. And no one can deny and debate and argue transformation. Literally, your testimony of what this has done in your life is your message. How do you overcome? By the blood of the lamb? So I charge you to go live your life from the power of the blood of the lamb And to share the word of your testimony. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think we have youth prophetic teams, right? Okay, so if you, we do prophetic teams once a month. And we have the youth today, which is awesome. And so if you want to come up here and get a prophetic word from these youth that have been trained in the gospel and in prophecy, then come up here. And I think we'll have... Two teams, you want to you share it? Yeah, we have four teams this morning. Go ahead and come up. Coaches, leaders, team members, let's do this thing. These guys have been trained for a long time. They know how to prophesy. They know how to minister effectively. Yeah, you can hand those out. So, yes, come and be encouraged with a prophetic word. Thank you. That's awesome. You are blessed and released to live a life transformed. Yeah, that's so good. Um, hey, if you can we, Wesley, can, can you come back up here for a second? I, I want us to do something real quick. Because, again, I, I feel, I don't know, did, did this stir anyone else's heart? I want us to pray for Israel. Can we do that? I really felt this in my heart. You know, as a church, we, we really, like, we want to support them. We want to pray for them, and we want to stand and do our part. And part of that is financially, we, we do give 1% of everything that, that comes in directly to Israel because we really believe in that. But as Wesley said, it's not just about finances. And so I want us to just pray. Could, could you just pray? And let's just let's do that. Yeah, y'all can just join me in praying. Let's all just pray out loud for like 35 seconds. So yeah, Lord, we thank you right now for your people. Lord, we thank you for Israel. We thank you for the Middle East. Lord, I thank you for your promises over that region. Lord, for your faithfulness over your people for the years and thousands of years past. And Lord, I thank you for the promises that are yet to be fulfilled. And Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, you would awaken hearts. 
Lord, you would awaken hearts in the Middle East for Jews, for Arabs, for Kurds, for Turks, Lord, for everyone. Lord, that you would awaken hearts in that region to know you, Lord, that you'd give them dreams at night, you'd give them visions in the day. Lord, that you would awaken their hearts to the man dressed in white with holes in his hands. Lord, that you would bring them into an encounter with you that brings transformation to their lives. And Lord, that they would see their region transformed. And Lord, we bless Israel and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, Lord, we pray for peace in that city, not a peace by governments, not a peace by military, but Lord, a peace by your spirit that surpasses every, every peace treaty, every division, Lord, every other thing of man-made peace that crumbles, Lord, we ask for your peace that's supernatural, that surpasses understanding, and Lord, I thank you for the unity that you're bringing to your body that's unified under one head, and we bless Israel, and we bless Jordan, and we bless Iran, and Iraq, and Syria and Egypt and Lebanon and Saudi Arabia. Lord, we bless them. Lord, we bless them to know you and to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.